0: needs, a mental health and wellbeing strategy. I've already spoken to the many people who've been behind putting this together. A lot of hard work has gone on behind the scenes, I can tell you. And I was privileged enough to bring this show live from the Cattle Hospital last year. And it was one of our proudest moments of last year, in fact. So mental health is uppermost in our minds on this programme. And Guernsey Mind last week spoke to more than 200 people. Guernsey Mind is the charity that concerns itself with mental health and well-being here in the island so they spoke to more than 200 people last week to find out what we're all thinking about the mental health and wellbeing strategy. Do we understand it? Should it be a priority for the states? Well, those results were collated and sent out to all deputies and senior members of HSSD. And here to tell us about the survey and about the vote in two days' time is Operations and Development Manager at Guernsey Mind, Emily Litton. Emily, a warm welcome back to the show. Thank you, Jenny. Nice to see you. Lovely to see you too. And uh, I'm incredibly proud of the work we did with mental health Mm -hmm. on this programme last year. So I'm keen to find out more about this survey, can you summarise it for people who A, don't know about it, or B, who've switched off and not listened properly in the first
1: place? Well, we've undertook a survey over the last few months, um, basically from World Mental Health Day last year. We've spoken to people in town, on the bridge, at the Frikke, um, to talk to them about what they think about the mental health. Um, strategy and if they know anything about it in fact and then a little bit about their experiences and we had some amazing feedback once people actually started speaking to us then we had some really good feedback about their experiences, what their family and friends had been through and I mean, so a lot of it good, um, a lot of it negative but it was um, really clearly a p- an important issue for people here.
0: Well I think if you were one of those people who spoke to the good people of Guernsey Mind last week then good for you and many congratulations for speaking out and open about mental health. That's the first Mm -hmm. thin bit of the wedge that we need to start pushing in, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Just getting people to talk freely about mental health.
1: And I think that's why the mental health strategy is so important, because it indicates that actually mental health is really important. And the state's meeting on um, Wednesday, it's got also um, the new build facility is going through then as well. So this is a really key year for mental health. And then in April, we're seeing the new mental health law. So I think everything that's going through the states and hopefully some of the debates that come through we'll see that um, the states believe that it's important for um, Guernsey people to have good well-being. Now, Emily, you Mm. said you had some fantastic feedback, good and bad. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some of the shockers, some of the accolades that you heard last week? Give us a Mm -hmm. cross-section of what you heard. Well, we spoke to 275 people in total. um, And one one of the things that came up quite regularly was that people had been able to access services but then they felt that they hadn't received enough care once they'd been through say if they'd they'd hit a crisis and they'd gone to Albert Ward they'd then been um, sent back home and not given enough care and support afterwards and would invariably end up back on Albert Ward which is the crisis care ward for Guernsey. Um, I had one story of someone talking about how um, her friend had um, been given an antidepressant and gone away, not taken it, and ended up committing suicide. Now, I'm sure that's not a regular story, but to hear that story from when you're talking to so few people is, is quite amazing.
0: Yeah, that's an isolated case, mm-hmm. we have to stress that. Yeah. Um, what other feedback did you get as far mm-hmm. as the service is concerned? Because it's not just about crisis mm-hmm. management, about, it's about those people who, you know, like you or I do, go through life mm-hmm. and then we're, we're f- felled a little bit by our mental state. You know, we mm-hmm. find it difficult to cope. I've had depression in the past, I've, I've been open about it on this show, but,
1: you know, it, it knocks us for six. And, and when we're used to coping, it's even more difficult sometimes, isn't it? Well, I think that's um, what's crucial now is that we're saying that actually there's one in four people who will suffer or experience mental health issues at any one point um, in the community, so everybody, when you think about everybody sitting around you in the office, a number of those people are going to be not feeling at their best and will be struggling in some way, shape or form and so to be able to talk about it and make it open is really important and I mean you've um, you've got those one in four who do feel they have to cope and they get out and they still keep going until... Unless they get the help they need, and maybe talk to people, or maybe talk to their colleagues, their friends, their family, who say, "What's wrong? Can I help?" That's the first major thing that you can do. But then you've also got people who will lose their relationships, people who will lose their jobs, people who will not want to go out of the house, and they will. Um, so they're they're kind of stuck in the middle. They can't aren't considered bad enough to access secondary services, but they're still unable to really function very well. So there's there's three really groups of people and some will experience worse things than others. Mm. And those people probably could have been helped just by someone talking to them, someone saying, I've noticed there's an issue and would you like some help? Can I talk to you about this? Do you want to get a coffee? Or these are services that I know about. This is what I've done in the past. There are lots of things that can help.
0: If you are low at the moment and you really don't know who to turn to um, it's probably the first port of call we're told is your GP and if you can't get to see your GP or if you think the matter is more urgent then there are always mental health professionals on duty at A&E so there is no reason why you shouldn't get help and having been given a tour of the cattle hospital myself, Emily there is so many cognitive behavioural therapists now, therapists who can step in in the interim,
1: there is quite a lot of care and I'm pleased to say that the waiting times are going down as well. Well the services have improved so much over the last two years. I know you spoke to Colin Vines this morning who's manager of mental health services. Hi Colin. Yes and he is fantastic. Um, We've seen a real change in the way that um, services are being developed over here since Colin's come into post and now we have a huge um, psychological therapies department. Um, I understand that the waiting list is no more than a couple of weeks for people in secondary mental health care and we were talking about two or three years ago when I first came on board, um, we were talking about over a year waiting for psychological therapies. So that in itself is, is a huge improvement. The other thing that mm-hmm. must be mentioned,
0: and we don't often have the chance to mention them in this mm-hmm. context, is the senior civil servants who facilitated my program coming mm-hmm. from the Qatar Hospital. And speaking to them, the two men in question, they're both family men, mm-hmm. and they see their civil service role as, as almost as vocational as the mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. So you've got I I hope I'm right in saying, um, correct me if I'm wrong, mental health professionals, but you might be groaning at the radio as I say that, but I I get the sense that there is a lot of joined-up thinking between the civil servants in authority... And the mental health professionals actually talking, actually working through what's needed, what, what isn't needed,
1: really joined up thinking, would I be right in saying that? We've really noticed that at the top of HSSD in particular, there's a lot of people who really put mental health as the priority. And because it's a big money saver as well, if you invest in people's mental health, they will have less physical illnesses, they will access benefits less, um, they will stay and work more. So it, it is a really big important thing for them to for them to, to talk about but yeah I noticed that. And with the HSD twenty twenty vision as well, mental health and wellbeing is a top priority within that, so it's it's really noticeable. This report was
0: put together. Some of the statistics we understand, some of those stats used in the report, are based on the UK data, why don't we have Guernsey data in some quarters?
1: I just don't think it's ever been prioritised. I think it's quite a a common thing that we don't want to spend money on investigating something. We need to spend money on dealing with managing it. And um, so instead we don't actually find out what the problem is and we end up crisis management a lot of the time. So I guess what the mental health strategy is now saying is, yes, we need to focus on recognising what the problem is, how to prevent it, early intervention. But equally it's looking at what the Size of the problem is.
0: And I mean, some research is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking what you've Mm -hmm. done, but you only talked to 270 Mm -hmm. people last week. Is there a danger of people being misled not only by the the small sample that you Mm -hmm. spoke to last week, but also by UK stats? Is there a danger that this mental health and wellbeing strategy being given to the deputies on Wednesday could be
1: slightly misleading? I've no doubt that it probably isn't entirely accurate, but it's the best that we've got to go on, unfortunately. And from our perspective, talking to 275 people is quite a large number for the two people of us that, that went out and did it. Um, we're hoping to do a bigger st- um, survey later on in the year. And Something online, perhaps? Yes. Well, we—I mean, we do. We had the survey online on our um, Facebook as well, but it's very difficult to get people to, to fill in. So it's anything.
0: easier talking to people face to
1: face. It was. That's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think mental health isn't something people will click on on their Facebook and go, "Oh, this is really interesting," unless it's something that comes up and they think that applies to me.
0: But they didn't have. Mm -hmm. They weren't short of things to say Mm -hmm. when you approached them. No.
1: It's yeah. It's very telling. Talk us through some of the other stories you heard last week, Emily. Um, we heard stories um, about how they people had accessed. Um, services. So um, I spoke to one person whose um, daughter had, had experienced bipolar and um, she'd had really good experience with a great key worker um, and an ongoing for a period of time and then the one person that she was dealing with left and the new person just didn't uh, connect with her in the same way. So mm-hmm. from then on she had real difficulties with the level of medication that her daughter was getting, her access to accommodation because she has to live in um, in accommodation provided by, provided by HSD, And from that moment on, the mother found that she was actually becoming depressed as well, so she then accessed services. So it was just literally having one person who understood her situation made that a lot easier.
0: Because it's so much about trust, isn't it?
1: Oh, it really is. Uh, but this is where the strategy comes in, because it shouldn't be that it depends on the person that you get. It should be written into the service they provide, that that is what they sh- people should expect to get. Do you, I mean, we've heard that things are already changing with mm-hmm. regard to
0: mental health. You've told mm-hmm. us that already this morning. Are things changing because the mental health
1: strategy was being put in place, or do you think things were changing anyway? I think the change um, at the very top of HSSD um, with Mark Cook um, made a big difference because mental health became a top priority. Um, and I think the need for a mental health strategy then meant that felt filtered down but I think we are still to see what the mental health strategy is, is going to bring to Guernsey because it's, it's so wide, it's not just talking about the service delivery, it's talking about training other departments, it's talking about support for carers which there is no support for carers in mental health at all Um We're talking about stigma and discrimination. Because that's another thing. I mean, carers Mm -hmm. for people with mental health issues, Mm
0: -hmm. it's easy to see the work that a carer, someone, for example, looking after someone with multiple sclerosis or someone with Alzheimer's, you know, there'll be a carer at home, they'll have to do set tasks. But being a carer for someone with mental health issues, I mean, that has its own set of challenges doesn't it the mood swings that you know not getting down yourself being able to offload being able to have counseling so that you can be best able to deal with the person you're looking after i mean it's it's a very subtle form of caring isn't it
1: well yes and someone could be very well for a long period of time and then suddenly um they could become unwell again and you almost change from being a partner or friend or Mother to that person, to literally being their carer, and it's not about physical needs. It's about very, diff- very difficult, um, worrying if that person is going to self harm. Worrying if that. Well, we won't go into the details. But no, yeah. no, 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 exactly. But mm. uh, you know, worrying—it's constant they like worry. Do? It's not a consistent. Mm. Um, relationship then i think that's that's the difficulty you don't know what to expect so
0: let's just reiterate there is no support Mm -hmm. for carers Mm -hmm. of those with mental health in the island
1: no we did have there was a drop-in being run up until recently and the reason that drop-in um closed down was because enough people weren't accessing it it just it wasn't viable um so we understand that but hoping throughout the strategy it will bring and it, it is in the strategy that carers are important throughout all parts of the strategy and um, that they will actually start from the beginning and see what services need to be developed.
0: Is there a danger that once support services for carers are developed that'll take the emphasis away from actually going to hospital seeking help from a medical professional and perhaps the states might rely on those of us who are willing to look after others at home
1: the problem is the states already rely on carers a huge amount we just don't know how much and we don't know if how those carers are coping so the more help that they can give to carers i actually i think i think I don't think it will be a dependency on carers. I think it will be a, a partnership and a working with people to help. They're the out there anyway, recovery. so they need help, exactly.
0: yeah. If, yeah. You, if you're a carer mm-hmm. of someone with mental health, it might be interesting mm-hmm. to hear from someone just to find out what those day-to-day challenges really are.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, Emily, yeah. do you have any misgivings? Before we concentrate on the positives, mm-hmm. do you have any fears that something might not go the way that you'd originally thought?
1: With the mental health strategy? Exactly. Um... I think from my feedback from, de- from the deputies after I sent out the survey to them that um, the majority of people who have come back have been very positive. I've heard back from 17 of them and they've all said that they've been very positive about it. So I don't, I'm not concerned that it won't go through. Uh, my major concern going forward is that they have um, an implementation board, a s- um, strategy implementation board, and that they actually have a plan. So at the moment the strategy is very high level and it doesn't say how it's going to make it work. So that's really important. That could make it fail. So
0: the mental health strategy, there it is. It's going to be presented to the deputies on Wednesday.
1: They need to come up with a plan. Who needs to come up with a plan? Well, the two things coming out of the strategy are that um, there's going to be a strategy implementation board. That's what they're requesting the deputies to to ask for. Um, And they're also asking that they report back at the next 2020 Vision um, report to the states. So we're hoping that's going to be within one year, and we hope that we're going to see a proper plan at that point. A strategy implementation board, Mm -hmm. yet another
0: board for the states. Is that needed? Can it not just be a few people getting together
1: and actually doing some work? Well, I've um, been on the um, Disability Strategy um, Forum for the, um, the last two years, and it's, wor- it's been very um, successful. I think it's brought together people from the voluntary sector, top civil servants, and we've been we've been able to feedback what people are thinking on the ground. So actually,
0: when you get a mm-hmm. board together like mm-hmm. this, it's actually proving to be positive mm-hmm. in getting the right people around the table to discuss the right issues.
1: Yeah, I think so. And different people have different ideas about what should be a priority and don't make just exactly but the more you discuss it the better outcome you get i think
0: nobody mentioned the pier steps we are (laughs) keeping tabs on that by the way i mean 12 years to get white lines painted on the pier steps don't get me started emily so is the mental health strategy and uh, mental health and well-being strategy i should say going to solve all of the problems
1: no, but it's a good start, um, and at least it gets people thinking about what they could be doing. I and mean, that's what we we have, um, an, employment project, have an employment project, and One have employment project, and we realise that employers aren't not helping their employees with mental health issues because they don't mean to. It's because they don't really understand what they could be doing, and a lot of people panic. And it's the same with the mental health and wellbeing strategy. It's helping people understand more about what mental health needs are. Um. <coughs> Why does Guernsey
0: need this strategy? You've you've hinted at the fact that nothing was in place mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. I mean, mental health was something that other people dealt with, other people who were sent to the Cattell Hospital. Yeah. That's how it was labelled. But why do we need a strategy now? Why can't we just get on and do things better? Why spend all this money on producing a strategy?
1: The way I think about it is that um, we used to have really good community support in terms of mental health, so you would rely on your neighbours, you would rely on your family, but people are so busy now, they're so stressed and they don't have time to take the time for conversations with people and that's why we need a strategy and it needs to be a directed strategy so that people aren't running around like headless chickens basically. Hmm. (laughs) Is there anything we can help you with? Yes, as we discussed before, bringing mental health um, to the forefront of what people are talking about every day is really important, and making people feel that it's okay to talk about their mental health and okay to struggle is is really important, and you're doing that already, which is fantastic. As a
0: station, but what about members of the public? Is there anything that they can do, any forms that they can fill out to help you be more aware of what's going on?
1: Yes, they can um, look at our Facebook page to be aware of what's happening. They can write to the deputies and say, we really support a mental health and well-being strategy. They, on, a, on a basic level, they could just have a take time out to have a chat to their colleagues or their family.
0: In an ideal world, mm-hmm. Emily, we, we talked about the negatives and your fears of what might or might not happen. Um, if I gave you that proverbial magic wand, what would you effect here in Guernsey? Just forget strategies yeah. for a moment. Forget, mm-hmm. you know, as a professional working as operations and development manager at Guernsey Mind, mm-hmm. what would you like to mm-hmm. see here?
1: I would like to see a real focus on helping people get to be- get better and assuming from the beginning that people can cope and can live really good lives and be really positive about that. Whereas at the moment, it's very much a focus on managing crisis and keeping people well enough whereas it it could be more of a positive focus about getting people to get the best out of their lives. And
0: let's face it, if somebody's been through depression,
1: Mm -hmm. they've received counselling,
0: medical help, they're at the other end of the tunnel, as it were, they're more able to help other people. The mentoring situation works beautifully within mental health, doesn't it? I mean, look at HomeStart, for example, Mm -hmm. because I asked the organisers of HomeStart, does it matter if you've had a chequered past? Mm I said no, because the more life experience someone's had, the better Mm -hmm. the volunteer for HomeStart. And I suspect the same is is the Mm -hmm. the case with mentoring and mental health possibly
1: Yeah, um, I don't know if you've spoken to Alvoy. I think you did um, at the um, Castle when you did the um, day up at the Castle Hospital. But they're a new um, drop-in group, and it's run entirely by service users, and it's for other service users. At the moment, they're focused just up at the Castle Hospital and people who access the day centre. But it will be out to the wider community, and it's great. They've really developed, and they basically provide a drop-in for people to come and talk to. People who've experienced the same issues that they have, and it's it's amazing. It's just tiny little things mm. that you can learn about your your illness that can help you realize you're not crazy, really.
0: No crazier than the rest of us. Exactly. Anyway, I mean, I had a wonderfully emotional conversation with mm. Albie Drillo, who was yes. in tears because he just wanted mm. to make sure no one else had been through what he went through. And Albie, if you're listening, love you loads. Yeah, yeah, send fantastic. big kisses to all the service users <laughs> group because they are just an inspiration to us all. Mm-hmm. As are you, Emily. How did you get into this lock?
1: Well, I did. I have I had postnatal depression after my second child, and um, although I didn't end up in a crisis, I <coughs> wanted. Sorry, you okay? <laughs> <Lucky>. <laughs> I wanted to be able to help people um, who might be going through the same experience as me, and it also helped me start feeling better as well to be able to work in in this environment.
0: So, so you was, and I have
1: both been through depression. Yes. How did you
0: How did you feel when you were at rock bottom?
1: I cried every day. Um, I felt like I couldn't cope. I felt like I was a bad mother. Um, And the guilt feelings associated with not being able to Mm -hmm. cope, that's... Yeah, it was was awful. And it it is constant. It's not just every now and again. It's all the time, day in, day out, until you actually recognise you've got a problem and it's not just you being a bad person. How was it diagnosed? Well, I... Are you okay talking about this? Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, um... I knew that I had an issue. Once I'd be cried every day for about a month, I thought, right, I need to sort this out and I need to go and see my GP. And before I so put my foot
0: in it, did you have a partner at the time? Husband? I did, yeah. yes. So, I mean, they must have found mm-hmm. it really difficult.
1: They did, and it's only afterwards that they've been able to really talk to me about how difficult it was. But they, they were away a lot at the time, which probably didn't really help um, me being able to talk about it. I mean, it, don't let looks to see. Either mm-hmm. Emily came in bright and breezy, she's
0: wonderfully pretty, Businesswoman, you you, you know, came in looking the most capable, (laughs) confident person. I would never have said. And you just don't know, do you? You don't know how mental health can affect people. What? When did you realise you were on the road to recovery?
1: As soon as I admitted to the to having the problem, and I went to see my GP, I knew that I was going to get better. And it took—don't get me wrong—it took a long time. I would probably say it took about eighteen months to two years before (sighs) I started. I mean, I wasn't feeling awful all that time but to feel like i was back to myself again it took quite some time
0: and how did you deal with your children going and i only ask these questions mm-hmm. please say if you don't want to carry on i don't want to break no, over old ground mm-hmm. that's going to make you feel bad but i'm asking this question because there might be someone right now with mm-hmm. postnatal depression they don't realize just go through the symptoms and and also
1: how you felt towards your own children at that time i i didn't have um, the problem with not um Feeling close to my children, I did. I did feel very attached to my children. Probably because my postnatal depression came on later on. So it was. I started feeling quite bad around five or six months after my child had been born. Now that's interesting because people wouldn't think. Oh,
0: you know, five months after the birth of my child, I can't possibly be postnatal depression. It must be me. Well, it could be.
1: Yeah, definitely. It can come on at, at any single point, and it's not about being. Um, not being a good mother to a child, it's about a physical illness and it's a hormonal reaction, actually, postnatal depression, so it's nothing to feel guilty about. But you can, if you don't get it treated very, very quickly, um, it can linger on for a long, long period of time and it can affect your relationship with your children. And a lot of women do not feel bonded with their, with their children to start with and that's a very difficult experience but you can, the important thing is that you can get help Well, that, that, I mean that's another thing
0: uh, for anyone who's about to give birth mm-hmm. you you automatically assume there's going to be this mm-hmm. immediate natural bond but the process that you go through is so different to anything you've gone through just be gentle on yourself and, and mm-hmm. don't look at the next mother and think oh she's doing it all, I, you know I'm not worthy it's very tempting to look at other mothers and think they're the domestic Domestic goddess is coping with everything when you can't, but actually, horses for courses, you're doing your best, and don't automatically assume there's going to be a, a natural bond immediately with the baby because sometimes there isn't.
1: No, exactly. It has to grow. Yeah, it does have to grow, and um, it. As you were just saying, I think there's, especially today, nowadays, a lot of mothers feel under pressure. And we don't tell the truth to each other as mothers. We we, we say, oh, we, you know, our, our baby sleeps for the night or... It's almost territorial, baby, isn't it? Yeah, it's, you know, we, we're not prepared to stand up and say, actually, I'm not doing brilliantly right at this moment. And, um, no, my baby's up every five minutes. And, and I bet if you did say that to know. a girlfriend, they'd say, how could I help? Exactly. And they'd say, yeah, actually, I found
0: the same thing too. <laughs> Do start talking to other yeah. mothers because it nearly drove me mad, thinking, well, there she is, she swung the baby over her, her shoulders in a papoose, she's gone up <laughs> jogging, she's running a marathon, she's cleaned the house, her house is immaculate, and she can still manage to go and get a, You know, not everybody's the same. No. Anyway, it's been wonderful talking to you, Emily, and thank you for your candour at the end of the interview as well about your own personal circumstances, just proving the point that Guernsey's mental health and wellbeing strategy is vital, many would argue, and do let us know any news from Guernsey Mind in the future, but thank you for putting it into context for us. Thank you so much. Emily there, who's Operations and Development Manager at Guernsey Mind. In a moment we're going to be talking about keeping secrets from parents and loved ones. We'll be talking a little later on in the programme